Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, motherfuckers. Wow. Why would you talk to our listeners like that? I mean, it's really mean. You're such a mean girl. I you am. You must be I'm compensating so for something in your life. Uh, yeah, my stunning personality. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be like, no, you got to have some edge to you. Oh, my God. Speaking of mean girl, this is so funny. So my friend Emily posted a TikTok of like, and it was like the caption or something like the golden era or whatever. And it was like, OG YouTube, like IMAX, like we were all like children. 
And one of the girls, <laughs> I'm not going to name this. You can go to Emily. You can figure out who I'm talking about. Emily June, head on over to her TikTok, give her some engagement, go follow her. She's a wonderful skincare brand. I love her to death. But there was one person in there that lots of people are commenting like, oh my God, that person, like whatever happened to them, I like, do not remember them. And I commented on it and I go, still trying to figure out why she blocked me. And someone commented back and was like, I don't blame her. You always gave off mean girl vibes. And I was like, for sure, liked it. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. People think that I am like mean. And I will say that like, this is like, whoever, someone left a review once where it was like, I'm in my like cunt era or my bitch era or whatever. Like, this is like the evolution. Like, this was not how I was born. Like, life brought, I have been molded to this way. And like, this is, I hope we all achieve crotchety, angry, yelling, asshole, old person before <laughs> we're, we've gone gray. Like, why are we waiting until the, 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 the sunset, the winter of our life to like really tap into that energy? To your realness. Yeah, it's a shame. Why wouldn't mm -hmm. I embrace that sooner? Give myself more years with that attitude. Right, because when you don't have that attitude, it's more like you're just pretending. Uh-huh. And that's, I'm not a faker. Welcome to Don't Blame Me, starring Princess Diana. And do you want to be Princess Diana or do you want to be someone else? I want to be a Princess Mia Thermopolis. Is that what her name was? Uh-huh. Wait, give me the full name. I don't know it. Amelia Mignonette Ronaldi Ronaldi Thermopolis, Princess of Genovia. She's a queen wow. now, though, right? I guess. In the second movie, she become queen? I don't know, because I don't feel like they killed Julie Andrews. No, you're right. I don't want to talk about Julie Andrews aging. Yeah, that one will hit. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that one's, yeah. that one's, right now, my top have been RBG and Chadwick. And Betty White very sad yes but Betty White like I didn't watch I didn't watch like Golden oh. Girl or and that stuff like yeah I watched Mary Tyler Moore and Golden Girls and like I watched a lot of that old stuff that used to be on Nick at Night mm -hmm. and so yeah she was a constant part even though I wasn't alive when she was on a lot of that stuff she was still a constant part of my childhood mm. yeah shit's sad okay wow yeah. let's really just change the subject and pivot to like yes, some please. fun stuff yeah. What did you get up to this weekend? I went to a pool. Ooh, a baby. Mm-hmm. Had some fun. Little funsies. In the sun? That was on. I did have fun. Actually, it was overcast, so not I really. Do. It's true. It was pretty <laughs> it overcast. It was very overcast on Saturday. And then Sunday, I went to a ping pong tournament. What the fuck? Hosted by Allison Braskin. Of course. <laughs> I'm less yes. shocked now. I was like, did you go to a celebrity ping pong tournament? No, 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 no. But it was a lot of people. There was a whole, like, scoreboard thingy, like a tournament bracket. And she and her boyfriend, of course, won because they practice at home. So, Well, yeah. Why would you host an event if you're not going to win the event? <laughs> right. Exactly. That checks out to me. Mm -hmm. And if it's her that the uh winner got a very large bottle of uh, hand sanitizer i love that but since they won they were one and two they beat uh, he beat her but also she had a has a knee injury so 
Yeah. I feel like that was actually really rude of him to <laughs> yeah. beat her. That's pretty fucked up. Then they had like a playoff between three and four for who would get the big sanitizer and the smaller sanitizer. Mm. So we had a eventful weekend and I'm not going to name drop Matz's mom's name in case she doesn't want it on the podcast. But if you are listening, just to turn off. This is not like a sexual thing at all. But this was something, it was a homeowner thing that Mots and I were quite embarrassed about. And I know for a fact, he does not want you to know that we did this. Why don't you just so, say it's a sexual thing so she will for sure cut off? It's fair. Okay, let's pretend it's a sexual thing. We'll mm-hmm. keep all of this in. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just don't listen. Or if you do, we will, ex- we will exchange a knowing glance, but do not bring it up to him. <laughs> you listened, but you didn't hear. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You are not allowed to hear what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. our house is built in 1940. It's very old. I love it so much. It's the reason why we got it is that's all these like original features. It's like our dream, exactly what we wanted. And for the longest time, if you've been watching my vlogs, I have been trying or waiting for us to install curtains in our bedroom. <laughs> the first time we did it, I fucked up and had Mott's hang them way too low and they just didn't look good. And so he had to patch the holes, spackle them, paint, and then we're do- we did them over. And so then we did them higher. And as like, you know, Mott's like took a break. He went to go get lunch with a friend. And I was like really adamant. I was like, change your clothes. Like you've been like doing work stuff and like wash your hands. Like, and I was really big on us both wearing like eye protection and masks when we were doing this. Someone fucking like res- responded to my story. And they were like, take that mask off you fucking idiot and i'm like what do do you think that people only wear masks for covid like the, <laughs> do you think woodworkers don't wear ma- what you're a fucking idiot you're all trying to breathe in this shit like you're so this is so stupid but so like there was a part in my brain that like you know knew that we have lead paint and that we should be taking those like precautions. But it was so, it was just the quietest little voice in the back of my head that was saying that. So we didn't look up ahead of time, like how to, you know, drill a hole when you have like lead paint. Like the whole thing with lead paint is if it's undisturbed, similar to asbestos, if it's undisturbed, it's fine. Like that's why you can paint over lead paint. You don't have to like strip it and repaint. Like it's, you just have to paint over it and you're fine. And the exception does come from lead paint dust, which is when it gets through all of it and you do end up disturbing it. And so we had done all of this. It was like sweaty. We were hot. Like it had just been a whole day of this shit. They're also not totally even. And I'm like, you know what? It has to be fine. Like we, I have to be okay with it. And I am. And so as we're getting ready to clean it up, um, Mots is like about to go out with the broom and I go, hold on hold on I'm gonna like read a little bit because it's not like normal like dust dust like it's kind of like it's a little bit more like sawdust because it also goes through like the plaster on the walls and so it's just a little bit thicker and I was like I don't know if we should be doing this in our vacuum like I don't know dust is a really it has it's a it's a thing and so I look it up and there's this like 13 page LA city protocol on how to do this. And we have done none of it. Like we have done none of the precautions. Because of... now I'm like paranoid from. So here's the thing. It's when it comes to like the actual like harm and fear of it. 
I did a lot of research because Mats is a little bit of a hypochondriac. And so he started getting like really fucking worried. And I like was researching. And the reason why lead paint, uh, lead poisoning was like predominant years and years ago was the lead paint that we had in homes was one of the many factors of lead that was everywhere. So like leaded gas. So like it was in absolutely everything. And so it also takes a long time of heavy, constant exposure. It takes years of constant, heavy exposure to show that there. And it's having lead paint now in our houses, we would also have to have constant heavy exposure in so many other areas that like is not how we operate anymore in order to develop it. And also the time, the only people it really affects uh, are kids and people who are pregnant. And so, you know, that that's like, it's, we're not in like the, the groups that are like the most susceptible to it. But I did see this thing on Reddit that like someone was like freaking out about a similar thing. And the person was like, and like, you can go get a lead test, like at the doctor, they can like run it. Like you'll, you without a doubt be fine. Like at this point, like, cause I showed the picture of the lead dust pile. He goes, you probably have to snort that in order for it to like actually affect anything at this. Like, it's not as much as it is, but so then we like, had to go to we like didn't which there was not a lot of prep work done and that is a constant thing that the conversation like it's I need to Mats and I both need to compromise he is a like power through let's get this done like I'm gonna figure it out by doing it sort of thing and I'm someone who like I want to research every possible outcome I want to research everything to the point where like I'm paralyzed by so much information that I can't even start it. Like I can't use a sticker because I'm like, well, I have to figure out where I put the sticker. Like, and then I put the sticker here and then it's permanent. Like I have a hard time with that. So like we both have to compromise and like the, we need to do just enough research that we can feel confident to then execute said task. But like, we didn't strip the bed. We had like all of our clothes. We had been like walking around the house with it. Like it had been like our tools. We didn't shut close the windows. We didn't like tape off the doors. Like our rug was just kind of like pushed back a little bit. And so we had to like go to Target like right before it closed. We both like hopped in the shower, threw everything in the, like the washer. And we had to like buy special detergent that has like all of this shit in it. And we had to do like all of that and like change the sheets and it was an ordeal and Moss was like essentially convinced that we were going to wake up the next morning and we were both going to have like two heads and like be like completely be turned into monsters. Well, the reason I asked is because, you know, the whole debacle with my ceiling, saying my house was built yeah. in the 40s as well. And there's still like, I know most of the remnants are from him sanding when they came and fixed it and it was sanding and like patching the other yeah. part that's not there anymore. But still, all that did fall on the ground. I would order a lead tet, a lead kit. Yeah. Like you can order it online or you can get it from a hardware store and then send it to your landlord if it's there. And then you should get yeah. some, um, like at least some money off your rent for a bit because mm-hmm. that's hazard. Yep. But it is just, <laughs> it was just one of those things that like the, the little, again, if we were inside out, that little, that small part of my brain that is about remembering things and reason that usually does not exist was there just so quietly whispering <laughs> into my head <laughs> and it was just overpowered by the rest of it so that was our wildly eventful day and i'm gonna add this to my to-do list so i naturally it. broke out in hives i don't think from touching the paint i think just from anxiety about it which is a thing that obviously happens to me in general so 
but I, I kept telling Mons because he was like so like up, upset with himself. And I kept being like, of all of the things for us to like, it's inevitable as new homeowners. I mean, I think when you do anything new, like parents, like you move, you travel, you do anything for the first time, like you're going to mess up. Like it's inevitable that you're not, you don't learn unless you make mistakes. And I was like, of all of the things for us to like make mistakes for, this is one with the least consequences. Like if this isn't like asbestos, which is like, not about a long period of time and like constant heavy exposure. Like this, there's a lot of other things that could have been worse, but we're just waiting for the curtains to come back from the dry cleaner. And maybe we got a little bit of lead poisoning, but I will now not have the sun blaring into my face in the morning. And that is priceless. Okay. But it did make me feel better when someone said you literally would have to snort <laughs> at this point in our in like how much lead there. Because there used to be lead in like skillets and spatulas and like all the cooking utensils and in our water and our pipes and our mm -hmm. gasoline. And so they were like paint was like the thing that they regulated that is still in like still is in houses now. And so like that's why we hear about it. Like all the other factors were eliminated like as a whole. So that's why. Yeah. Anyways, that was our weekend. And I guess I should introduce you to what the show is. And it's an advice show. And you might be wondering, how are these two visionaries, muses, absolute 10 out of 10 straight hotties? How are they also so smart <laughs> when they're so hot? Like, how is that fair? First of all, it's not fair. It's not. I'm not sorry. I can't even say I'm sorry, but like you're right it's a burden it's it's like it's a full-time job to be honest that you get all the benefits but no no like there's no pay no there's no you don't get health care with it but we're still putting in the work existing uh -huh. existing in these bodies with mm -hmm. well i was gonna say these asses you're with dad ass at you with <laughs> I got I got long legs. These legs. I was gonna say them and legs though. Them legs. Them yams. And these these brains. And some might say we should be walking around with caution signs. Caution, hazardous material will mm -hmm. make you jizz your pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are qualified because we fucking said so. And this is a podcast. And why do we have to defend our qualifications when men get up here and claim that they are alpha men when in reality they are just virgins who can't drive? We will be taking no further questions except the calls that you have and the entire premise of this podcast. So you call in, you leave a voicemail, and you tell us what's happening in your life that you would like our wise, wise advice from for. But you know, I didn't say that I was good at grammar. I just said I was hot and big brained. And, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes big brains, there's some dead space. There's some dead air. There's some like useless dormant parts. And that's okay. So if you want to call in, Give us a ring-a-ding. Leave us a voicemail at 310-694-0976. International listeners, you can send us an audio message at meganpodcast at gmail.com. We go over this in every episode. So if you listen all the time, I'm so sorry, but not at all because you get to hear a different ver variation of how I say it. But you got to let us know your age. If you would like to let us know your pronouns and the other people involved in the story, please do. We keep it all anonymous. We do ask that you write everything down, all of the information. The more information we have, we can give you like the best advice possible, but you only have three minutes. So write it down, then pull out your phone or a sundial and time out. Not how long? Sun, 
a sundial would not be accurate, okay? <laughs> What's that thing? Uh, hourglass. I get them mixed up. I don't know why. Maybe because they're I mean, two words. They sundial, they, hourglass. But they both, do, they both do tell time. It's just that the sundial is not going to be in seconds. You got to get a new age sundial. I got the Apple sundial XL. <laughs> Do you see they have a car coming out? I don't know why in a society where we have watched and championed the very rightful success of the Transformers franchise, we would willingly get into these robot cars without interviewing and making sure that they are like Bumblebee and they are good Transformers. I just mm-hmm. don't get it. Yeah. Anyways. Someone made on Reddit made a joke that this will be the first Apple product with Windows. And it made me chuckle. That's good. <laughs> that, you know, Moth would love that joke. That is funny. I need to stop mm-hmm. touching my boobs. Speaking of, do watch our Patreon. Time. I know. It's just who you are. Just touch them. <laughs> if anybody wants to see what it's like when you're just like not masking, watch the video versions of this podcast because I forget that people watch this and I am just... I, I am not shields in anything. Like I'm just, I'm doing the weird thing I do with my mouth. And when I put my top lip up to my nose, like I'm doing all the things and I'm also touching titties, but mine exclusively. I, I want to say that I feel like when I watch the video back, I feel like people think that like I'm looking at my phone all the time, but my phone is over here. I am pressing my nails into my legs so I can see the little marks that it makes. I'm not looking at my phone. So I just want to give that <laughs> that if as well. Anybody ever wanted to have a seminar on like what quote unquote active listening is? <laughs> you just see us fiddling around doing everything. And then our face is just going, huh? What? <laughs> just it's all we're just constantly giving the facial expressions. So, OK, under three minutes, write it down, time it out uh, to make sure, cause you have to be under three minutes or else you will be cut off. And that is for both the, uh, phone call as well as the audio message. We just will not use or choose that audio message has to be three minutes. So practice a couple times. And then when you call or record, literally just read, just read. You don't have to ad lib. Like you don't, you, you don't have to do any of that. Have to be 18 or over or have your parents permission. If you're going to be upset with some of the advice that we give you if you call in please then go leave a review on the podcast app and make it abundantly clear that you are the caller who's upset because that's always a good time and leave it twice but under different names but right Mm -hmm. in the same way and start it the same way about how you've been following Megan forever Mm -hmm. and give like context clues that you um think make it seem that it's not you but then actually narrow it down to one person and Mm -hmm. then make it abundantly clear to uh cross-reference the information and see that you know you're very honest in your call and i commend you for that and it is shown in your digital Mm -hmm. footprint thank you thank you thank you so much and if you want to be mad at anyone you're more than welcome to be mad at us but if you want to come for the lovely humans in our facebook group i will rip you to shreds i will i will I will, because the the good people of that group and those are active members and participants, they care about people. They are invested in people's lives. They want happiness and success. And if you cannot, if you can dish it and you cannot take it and then you 
take your anger out on those lovely humans, I will rip your asshole open into then you are two halves of one person. All right. I hope that was a good visual for all of you. <laughs> People are like, what the fuck? They can figure it out. I was, yeah. And I'm also like, she's going to pretend that she's not listening anymore. And I'm like, and that's always taken for, I am done. Next mm-hmm. time. I can't believe you would talk about me like that. Oh, I thought you were done. I thought you stopped listening. Why are you still here? Yeah. You lost. We don't have an update because they were unavailable and unprofessional. Just joking. They're going to be so <laughs> upset. They sent the most professional email. Melissa's reading it. And I was like, oh my, holy. What? Yeah. Do you work in HR? Like, this was like, it was so. It was such a. And we're like, we're the most unprofessional people. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Today's episode is brought to you by a sponsor we love, 310 Nutrition. 310 Nutrition is helping us, you, our listeners, in the new year with protein and superfood rich products with so many options and flavors for your personal preferences. They're adding new products all of the time and I just got my, I mean, I didn't just get my package. I just got a, 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 a secondary of my package and I, as someone who needs electrolytes to function, there it's like elixir from the gods. I cannot sing their praises enough, specifically the cucumber flavor of this electrolyte mix is delicious like it's it's so good i've even like had it on like ice and been like i'm drinking like a drink drink like you can throw a little straw in there and it's it's delicious it's so good and i just i love they're filled with so many great ingredients that really help if you're like me and you like you know medically need some electrolytes but also if you're working out if you're sweating hot summer day you're going to an amusement park you're on your feet for a long period of time all of that um most of us are not getting the electrolytes we need yeah i drink mine specifically when i am working out it's my beverage while i'm working out i just take one stick of the hydrate mix it in with my bottle of water 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there they also have the all-in-one shakes which i absolutely love i'm running low so i gotta get some more but um i love the chocolate bliss the vanilla cream the caramel sundae i have all three of those flavors sometimes i mix and match them sometimes i'll use it when i'm baking or i'll just drink it straight and it is they're so good they have a triplex protein blend plant-based proteins that include pea brown rice and pumpkin that makes it so delicious you can get fiber and superfood blends with more than 25 organic fibers and superfoods blended into one easy, delicious shake. And they also have three tins, four shake flavor starter kit, which lets you sample all the flavors for only $9. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with Don't Blame Me and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and super easy to put together an order, or you can start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code BLAMEME right now for 50% off up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code BLAMEME. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about Book of the Month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available. And I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like... <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like, you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is, it's kind of like a, a straight shot into that and something that book of the month 
you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress. And as well, there are reading challenges and rewards. And Book of the Month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next, which for me is like the biggest hurdle. I love when other people make choices for me, especially when they're good choices. And I'm like, cool, I can trust you. So each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All of the books are so good. You can't go wrong. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When we were picking like our selects for this, I was like, wait, this, I like all of them. This is hard. And I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like, okay, so these are like my top ones. I'm assuming they will be yours. So don't pick the same one as me. So then we can swap afterwards. And that's what we did. So we got the ministry of time by Killian Bradley. And we also received the return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean. The Ministry of Time is like people are calling it like if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books, it's quoted from Town and Country saying it's really innovative, fun storytelling. The Ministry of Time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must read books for spring 2024. And then Harper's Bazaar also said part time travel romance, part spy thriller and 100% multifaceted joyride. <gasps> When I tell you that, I was like, sold. We're also excited about the return of Ellie Black. And this one is about a missing girl who returns. But that isn't the end of the story. It's only the beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since, Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. All right, here we go. Hi, Megan and Melissa. I'm 27, she, her, and I've worked for the corporate office of a national retailer for about five years now. I've been promoted three times so far. I actually really enjoy the creativity I have in my current role. I have good benefits and just earned an extra week of vacation for being here five years. And my boss is actually great. My problem is that when COVID happened, they sold our old office and relocated to a smaller one that does not fit everyone. At that time, we were told we needed to get a permanent home office set up because we would never be going back to full-time in the office. We would be hybrid um, once COVID restrictions and stuff um, loosened up and it was safer for us to go in. So I spent a lot of money to get like a comfortable desk chair, a desk, all of that stuff. And I actually was able to work with my doctor to stop taking my antidepressants because working from home was such a game changer for my mental health and work-life balance. In April, they got more strict on our hybrid schedule, and since then, we've been required to be in office on a two-day, three-day week schedule. 
We were told the last week that beginning in September, we will be required to come into the office full-time every day of the week, but they're not able to confirm if we will have permanent workspaces. They just keep telling us there's plenty of seating areas available. By that, they mean in our cafe and the couches and chairs they set up on each floor of the office. Because my position and many of my colleagues' positions are associate manager levels and creative roles, we require more than one screen to work efficiently. If I'm sitting at a couch, which I don't even do at home, I can't do that. Whenever I bring this up, I'm told to wait it out and see what happens because once we are all in office, they'll see that it's not going to work. I'm not really sure what to do. I feel like I'm being taken advantage of and that I've been lied to for two years being told that we did great transitioning to work from home and that we would be permanently working hybrid. And now I'm just not sure if I should wait it out and see or if I should look for another job. Really don't know what to do. So if you guys could give any advice, that would be great. And I appreciate it. I love you guys and your podcast, both of them. Look for a new job. Here's the thing, like, with large corporations, the people that are making these decisions are usually the people that aren't there day to day. And so the people that you're talking to that are saying, you know, wait it out and see, I believe that they are well aware that this is not going to work, but they can't say it because they're not allowed to say it and will probably get in trouble if they actually say it. And so the wait it out and see is they they don't want to be there either. So what they're doing is, is that they're doing exactly what they're saying. They're saying, we're going to try this for a week and it's going to fail. And we're going to show the people upstairs, essentially, that aren't really up there that we can't do this and we're going to go home. And so regardless, I think that you should look for a new job, but corporate because at first I was going to ask, is this a um, office located in my hometown? Um, because <laughs> they were doing a similar thing, but I know that they are actually building new offices and aren't selling their old offices. But they kind of did the same thing, too. And then once people got there, then they were like, OK, this was wrong and then changed how things were done. And I think with any big company, it's going to be more of the same thing unless it is a job that is specifically full-time work for home and that's what you're hired to do. So if, and I think you should, I think people that work in corporate America should be moving from company to company anyway, because that's how you actually like move up. Because once, if you're, you stay at the same company, then you get like good at that job and they don't want you to actually move away from that into, but they do love when you leave and you get more skills and then come back. And so I do think, you know, look for a new job, but if you do wait it out, it will most likely turn into you guys working from home anyway. Yeah. I mean, so I I agree with that. I think that you can only know what your what the men the corporate mentality is if they've ever said like we're all going to get through this together, we're a family kind of thing. 
the thing with places going back, uh, people going back into offices like full time, and I can only talk about this in like proxy from like friends and stuff who've done this. Like I obviously am not in like corporate America, um, but a lot of the narratives for subpar working conditions have been, this is a learning experience for all of us. And like, we're all making adjustments and we're all doing blah, blah, blah. And it's coming from like man behind the curtain talking who like is completely unaffected by this, but is trying to do the, we are family, we're rallying together as like an excuse to set your expectations and your standards lower for your job without any adjustment on like your schedule or like your pay or things like that. And so I mean, the biggest thing that sticks out to me is like you said that this has been working from home has been like the biggest game changer with your mental health. And that is something that like only you can know what your you and your doctor like together, like having a conversation about what is your bandwidth. I think that you should start looking for a new job. And I don't think you necessarily should rush or accept a job that you like don't really like or doesn't really interest you or intrigue you or you really want like just to get one before the September. I don't think you should do that. I think you should be very intentional like with it and only get a new job if it's something that you if it excites you, like if you would like would rather do anything in your power to stay where you are and like stay at this company, then I think that like you can only know for your mental health, what is that threshold and that time period of figuring this out because they're trying to figure out what works for them with a work home hybrid or just in the office thing. But you know what works for you and this has worked for you. And so I, at this point, would just reach out and just be like, I I don't know what kind of contract um, you have or what your, it's a contract, right? You don't have, well, if you're a con- you if you're an employee, then you don't, you most likely don't have a contract. Yeah. So then I would have like a sit down with your boss and just be like, this is, I know where you're at. I know where like the goals of the company and they're moving at. Like, this is my goal. I want to work from home. And if I'm not able to work from home full time, I want to work. I, I would like to do a hybrid kind of thing. And I think you just need to figure out what is your threshold for what you can do? Because I think, agree with Melissa, like I do think it's inevitable that they will see that it doesn't work. And if, if your company has shown previously that they are receptive to employee feedback, if it takes them until like, I hate that shit where I'm just like, I know my job better and I know what I need better than anyone else. So like, if you can't anticipate what I need based on me telling you that you have to see it for yourself. That's infuriating, but it is kind of just the hoops that like you have to jump through and things that happen. So if you have faith that like they are receptive to this stuff once they see it in practice, I think that you need to then have like a maybe a conversation with your boss of being like for September, once we start in September, I am gonna like or even you don't even have to have it with your boss but like with yourself like I'm gonna give it a month that's what I can do that's what my doctor and I've decided and I'm gonna work full-time in the office for a month and if they're not able to figure it out then then I am going to just start more actively pursuing other job opportunities and I'm going to try and do more work from home part-time but I always think in general when a corporation or any job, whether a big company or a small company, is kind of calling the shots and saying what they're going to do. If you are in good standing at your company, I don't think it can ever 
hurt for you to ask for some like more specifics or some more clarity from someone directly and let them know like what you're looking for and where you're at. They might not cater to it or change anything, but I do think that like expressing that and saying that that's something you're interested in, it keeps in people's minds. So if they're like, oh shit, we have, we are way too overcrowded. I remember that they like, let's just say your name is Lauren. I remember that Lauren had mentioned that time. You can even just be like, hey, I know that it's going to be pretty crowded for a while. If you are, if we're going back to hybrid at any point, or if you need a longer rollout and you can't have everyone in the office at any point, I am loving working from home. I'm so much happier. I'm so much more productive. You can have me be the very last one in. Like if you ever need someone to work from home, like I can do that. So then if something occurs and comes up, that's in the back of their head of someone that they know wants this kind of thing. I don't think intentionally communicating stuff with your superior who is someone you have like a trust if, if, if it's someone you have a trusted relationship with I think just communicating something that you would like to see and hope for without like demanding for it and expecting it I do think that it doesn't really do any harm and that they can potentially I don't know everyone I know who's had to go back to work when they've done like full office then they've been like dialing back and they do reach out they start with the people who they know prefer to work from um, home. And I also do have a little bit of a sensitivity about this because I do have a fear that usually creatives get fucked in these situations mm -hmm. because people don't know what goes into creative jobs. And so, yeah, having multiple monitors, that is something you need. You need ample workspace. You need like all of this other stuff. And if you, usually the creative departments at corporations, even if they're like creative based companies, like the finance and will be a larger department usually than the creatives, even if it's a creativity based thing. And those people will usually be an afterthought and kind of pushed into a corner when in reality, like the resources that they need aren't necessarily conducive with a typical like nine to five cubicle job. So I think I, I do get worried that if they haven't been meeting your needs before, I don't know that they're going to do it now when they feel like they can play victim to a pandemic. Yeah. But I'm, my friends who work in like creative spaces in more of like the corporate world, like Melissa said, like switching companies can be really good, especially when you've been at one place for a long time. You kind of have a Not niche. even just like creative, anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I don't a... know many people who aren't creatives, but like you... Yeah have a specialty and you have a niche and that not only like will ex getting a new job in like a new field not only like expand your marketability for future jobs and like your pay and all of that but also like it's way less monotonous and like you you know that it's nice to be able to switch things up and might make something a little more fun and exciting and you could for a new job, you can negotiate in your contract. I'm going to work from home. I will come into the office like once a month or I will come into the office for reviews. I'll come into the office for blah, blah, blah. But you can get that stuff in writing. And I think that applies to like anyone who's like found that their current working conditions, like working from home has been like a lot better. I think if you're at a place where you can look for a new job, I always think it's better to negotiate what you know works for you versus hoping that like other people anticipate what works for you and that aligns with what they want to do. Mm -hmm. You got to like protect your mental health and your physical health in like the workforce. And it, I don't like the responsibility that is on like us as individuals, but I, I think that you, you have, if you have the ability to like kind of craft it around what work, works best for you, you should do it.
Agree. All right. Next call. Hi, Melissa and Megan. I'm calling in regards to my best friend. Let's call her Bella. Bella is 22 and needs to shoot her pronouns. I am also 22 and needs to shoot her pronouns. Here's a little background information on the situation. My partner and I have been dating for about a year and a half now. We have been doing long distance and have visited each other consistently over the course of the relationship. In long distance relationships, it is important to make a goal or an end date for the distance. We have discussed where I live and where she lives and have come to the conclusion that it would be most beneficial to reside where she is from. I live in a small city in the Midwest, and she lives in a big, well-known city. I feel like I could grow as an individual in her city as well as have both of us grow in our careers. This is where my friend comes in. She's supportive of my relationship and doesn't dislike my partner by any means, but every time I try to bring up moving out of the state, she always shuts me down. She always brings up reasons such as it's very expensive, you'll have to start over with making friends, etc. While I understand her concerns, I can't help but feel a little hurt I don't have her support on such a big decision. If the roles were reversed, I would just want her to be happy at the end of the day. I have thought about some reasons why I think she reacts this way. I know that we are each other's closest friends, and it can be scary to have your closest friend move away. However, I feel like this is a part of growing up. Your friends are going to move away or go on a different path. If the roles were reversed, again, I obviously would be devastated, but also extremely excited for her new chapter in life. The advice I'm looking for is how to tell her that I have made this decision and that it will be happening in January of 2023. She's kind of made it impossible to open up to her about these sort of things, and I hate that I'm so nervous to tell her. I've told pretty much in my entire family and most of my friends, all of which are happy for me and are excited that I will get out of this small city. Any advice you have for me is greatly appreciated. I am sensitive, so keep that in mind. Uh, she is a Leo, and I'm Pisces. Thank you in advance. Love the show. Bye-bye. Ugh. I mean, this is hard. Like, I I feel for your best friend. Like, it just seems like they're sad. Like, they're really sad, and they don't know how to put that aside. And to me, when she's saying things like, you're going to have to start over. You're going to have to make all new friends. Like that to me is her saying, I'm going to have to start over. I'm going to have to make all new friends. Like this is, it's just prime projecting for me that that's what she's really worried about in her own life. And so I feel like I would be doing you a disservice if I said that I think that like, I think it makes sense that like we've said this on here so many times that like long distance relationships need an end date. And, you know, we obviously don't know the ins and outs of your relationship, but like you've been dating for a year and a half and then moving for a partner. It seems like you do really think this city is going to like be really good for you and stuff. I think like, I don't know, I feel like we get a lot of calls from like the friend point of view. So like maybe like, is this something that you do? Like, is this something that like you are, do you feel like you're someone who is really independent or do you feel like you're someone who like really values the opinions of other people around you and like um you're not necessarily proactive in making decisions that put you out of your comfort zone until someone else like brings it up and then you're like oh wow that's a really good idea that's not like a bad quality like trait at all like and I hate when people refer to those kinds of people as like oh you're passive like you're a follower when in reality like those people usually are just people who like live in the moment more. And then there are people who are planners and like think about other stuff. And then you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, maybe I do want to move and do this kind of stuff. So if this is something that like 
you say that she really likes your your partner and that they like get along and there's like nothing no issue with that I think that like if it is just a missing you thing I would spend some quality time together where you're like not talking about the move and you're not doing that stuff and it's not you're spending some quality friendship time together and I think I would schedule that like a a good amount and so it doesn't feel like when you're letting her know like I'm gonna be moving January 2023 it doesn't feel like and every moment up until then this quality time that we have is going to be about me moving and about me and my partner is going to be about about all of this stuff because I think like it's you mourn a friendship when you you're you can mourn a friendship when someone like your best friend gets in a relationship and I think if you're present and you're spending time good quality time together I think that that feeling of everything's changing and everything's ending and everything's fleeting that feels a lot more frantic and a lot more scary when it feels like it's already happening before it's even happened so I think like before you tell her I would just and maybe you already are spending a lot of time together and then that would be the case that I would just bring it up straight up but I think if you haven't been spending some quality time together I would do that at least once or twice before you bring it up and then make a conscious effort and point to be like I think like I want to make sure that like up until then like we schedule like a weekly date to hang out like we have this to like we have these things like I thought we could take an art class together like doing things that feel like you're fostering a friendship too because a move is a really big thing and especially moving with a partner out of like state and all of that that I think that that's not even just for your best friend that's for you too and I think you'll she's gonna miss you but I think you'll probably miss her too and if you can spend some quality time together I think that will ease her anxiety and simultaneously prevent some of that like you know natural sadness that you'll have from like leaving as someone who moved around a lot during their childhood I guess moving is just kind of different for me for me I left friends a lot as a kid and this was before social media was around I mean we still had at 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 a certain point then there was like AOL but I I just kind of I kind of see this as like even when I moved to LA it was like my friends were cheering for me and wanting me to succeed to leave. And it feels kind of, I guess she's like trying to protect herself by projecting these things onto you. But it just, to me, it seems like she's not in your corner. Like she doesn't want what you want. She's kind of trying to rain on your parade. And I just, I just don't think that's a supportive friend. That just doesn't come off well to me. And again, she might just be projecting and protecting herself, but this just doesn't seem like a true friend to me, someone that doesn't want to root for your success. I wonder if she's never moved and the the caller has. Do you know what I mean? Because like you have very similar, like like to me, I didn't have any friends who ever moved like, Mm -hmm. and I didn't move. And so that is a much more, I don't know, like a kind of like scary sort of like final kind of thing but like the way that she's talking about it is similar to kind of like this happens like this is life I wonder Mm -hmm. if she also has she moved at least once Mm -hmm. or twice yeah but like even when you moved I guess you and Sydney were separated more because you went to different colleges Mm -hmm. but like even then like did was there anything like 
were either of you like just disappointed instead of like we know this is going to be different for our friendship but we're not disappointed in it we're rooting for the other one I mean I think that if one of us had gone to school on the east coast that would have been devastating for either one of us like that would have been really really hard but was it like in a way that was like trying to talk you out of it no because we were going through it at the same time and like we just didn't really talk about it but I will say like she was not into me dropping out of college like she was really 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 opposed to that and that's obviously different because like we're not at the same college we're like in different places but you know it's a large change because it's not oh we're coming home for that we're, we're both going back to Marin for the same Thanksgiving breaks and the same Christmas breaks and it is different like it's different and I did definitely like like live my life for like the first year after I dropped out like I was in college and like trying to come home during the same time to like not miss out on what my like high school friends were doing and trying to like have that sense of normalcy that is also different because it is dropping out of school but I mean uh, everyone tried pretty much everyone tried to talk me out of it and I at the time definitely read it as not supportive but as I've got older, it what it what I, I realized was like, oh, you just we don't we fear things that we don't know. And like, this was not what you did. And this is not something that you know. And this is also not something that you can give me advice on. This isn't something that you can relate to. So if like things come up in my life that like that is happening here, because I've moved and I'm like living on my own, like as an adult in a big city, and I'm not in a college town doing going to the formals and doing the same things that you are, I think we can always feel scared by things that we don't know. And that when someone takes a path that we're not taking, sometimes people might think that you will fail on said path. But I think when you succeed, or if you succeed on that path, it does make people question the path that they're also on. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, I think that could apply here as, as well. But I don't disagree with you in the sense that like, there I think there's even if it's by accident I don't think it's she's being her friends I don't think Bella's being supportive yeah so I think the other moves until I moved to Los Angeles were all with my family but even just in talking about how I was gonna prepare to move people like a lot of people they're like yeah yeah okay but they didn't think I was actually going to do it until I actually packed my car and left and I think how you tell her is that you just have to tell her like, Hey, I've decided I'm moving. I'm leaving in January. These are the reasons. And honestly, like to me again, to me, like her not supporting you, I feel like you shouldn't have to give a reason, but she's going, going to, I mean, she knows that you're moving, you know, to be with your partner, but also, like there's other factors on why you're going to your partner and they're not coming to you. And I guess explaining those things for me personally, I wouldn't feel a need to explain those things, but it's just because of how Bella is already reacting. I think you're going to have to in the same way that you made plans with your partner to meet up, maybe going about it like, Hey, um, you know, and like, 
March, let's get together for this or like we'll plan to do something again in September or whatever. Just making future plans to do things together could help or you maybe even like when I move, do you want to come with me to like help me move my stuff and help set things up? So I think including her is a way to make her feel less hurt, but just making sure that you let her know that like, we're still going to be friends. The situation around our friendship will change, but luckily we're in a time where we have FaceTime. We can virtually do things. We can call each other. There's virtual games we can play. Like just making sure you're including her in your plans can also help alleviate some of that. Yeah. And like, let her know that you're going to miss her. Like, I think Mm -hmm. there's a really large emotional aspect about this. And like, excitement is an emotion and sadness is also emotion and they can also coexist. And I think right now, you are really excited and you're angry and frustrated that she's just sad. But I think at some point, you're also going to be sad. And I think that that's very normal and like very okay. But I think recognizing the full spectrum of emotions and that you're going to be going through them between now through when you move and after you move. And so I think a lot of the time when people are kind of acting out and we know it's from sadness, a lot of the time people are doing that and not feeling comfortable just saying, hey, I'm really sad because they don't think that you're sad. And that it can be something like, I think being honest with your own, like vulnerable and honest with your own emotions can be instrumental in letting other people know that they can also be vulnerable with like their emotions and feel validated in that. And so, you know, when you think about the the feelings behind actions and stuff, telling her that you're also going to be sad, then you can both just talk about how you're going to be sad together. And it doesn't have to be this. I'm trying to I'm going to be angry with you and let you know that you've hurt me as opposed because I think that you are consciously that I think that you were hurting me and you're not going to be sad that I, you're going to move at all. And like this is, this is something that you're doing to me when in reality, like, I don't think you need to be kind of like the strong person who's like, I don't think you saying that you're going to be sad and you're going to miss her and you're going to miss parts of like where you are. I don't think that negates the choice you should make in moving. And I don't think it negates like how excited you are and that this is the right choice for you. Like, those feelings all exist together. And I think if you can recognize that with her, she might not weaponize those feelings of hurt to you. But if she does, then that sucks. And that this is a friendship that has run its course that maybe wouldn't have run its course until a couple years from now. And she was just not going to be supportive in other life decisions moving forward. And this is the time that your friendship is over. But I if you don't think that there's ill intent coming from this, I think it's just like misdirected sadness. And I think there's something really disarming when someone tells you that they're sad about something that you don't think that they're sad about and that you feel like you're the only like one in your emotions for. And there's something Mm -hmm. really like comforting about that. And then it's a feeling you can move past because if you don't work through sadness, then it just becomes anger and it becomes resentment and it just eats away at you. It's not a fleeting feeling. It's like a stewing feeling. But this is exciting for you. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. for you too. All right, uh, let's take a break. Woo, we will be back.
oh my gosh, we're back. That was so fun. What'd you all do during the break? Listen to the ads and support it. The show. Did you scratch your nuts? Did you tighten your ponytail? Only the right nut. Mm. Yeah, fuck that left nut. Mm-hmm. Okay, roll the tips. <laughs> Hey, Megan and Melissa. Um, first off, love the podcast. And I really want to get y'all's thoughts on this. Um, this should be pretty fast. I am switching jobs and becoming a freelance audio engineer. And I just really would love y'all's thoughts and advice on what you guys do to keep yourself productive when you don't have a normal nine to five job, especially because I have ADHD like Megan. And sometimes I do struggle with um, type of fixation, but then also sometimes I struggle with motivation. And I would just love to hear y'all's thoughts, and anything would be really helpful. Thank you, guys. First off, send me your resume. Second I was off, just <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, second, the thing for me is that I used to try to be have like be very regiment about my work days, like you know, wake up at nine and do x y and z and blah blah that's all part of like the way that corporate jobs or jobs that take place in offices try to brainwash you and i've learned now that i depending on the day i might want to work differently and i think just allowing yourself to have the flexibility if you don't have like a set meeting for that day I make to-do lists every single day or I make them at the beginning of the week and then purse out the things that I need to do throughout the week, making the top priority, you know, set meetings or set recordings that I have to be at. And then um, the next thing is like, if I'm like, for example, this month I'm on a writing deadline for a feature script that I have to have done at the end of this month. So then that is the next most important thing for me. And then the next thing for me is like anything like reviewing edits. I know I have to have that done the day before that the podcast go out. So it's like having those important things. And then I if I have meetings, then I only have a set amount of time during the week that I can do meetings. And so I'll be like, you know, this week, I only have three hours this week that I can have meetings. So then I send for me, I do have an assistant. I let my assistant know that. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Like, this is how much time that I have this week for meetings. This is how much time I have for this this week. This is how much time I have for this for this week. Do not schedule any more meetings for this week. Because one thing that bogs me down a lot is meetings and emails. Another thing with emails is that I make my emails so that I used to like check my emails throughout the day. And now I only check them at the beginning of the day and only at the end of the day. Because if I check them throughout the day, that's all I'm going to do is be sitting and responding to emails. And so I also, I was telling Megan about this earlier with emails. One, I only actually send emails during business hours, even though I might be responding to it at 12 o'clock at night. So with Google and I'm sure with other email services, you can schedule your emails to go out because I want to train people like just because this email, I used to send them out whenever I was just like awake and then people would expect me to respond to an email like as soon as I send them. So when you schedule the emails, I make sure I have them all go out at eight o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter when I send the email. I might check it actually like during the business day but I have it scheduled. So then people don't expect me to be automatically responding unless it's a high priority email that has like an actual response to it. Or another thing is that I make sure that for me, my anxiety with emails is that if it's too much, it becomes overwhelming for me. And so I'll time, if I open an email, it doesn't need an immediate response, but I know that it will need a response by X, Y, and Z day, then I will schedule the email to come back to me on that day so that I can prioritize so you can like hit snooze on your emails and have them come back to you at a certain time. 
I also, if I'm tired, I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> That's just point blank. And I've realized that like, I, I'm not the person that can push through and just do things because they need to be like, I know that it needs to be done, but like, if I, I'm not fresh brained on something that needs my brain power. I'm not going to sit there and just like work through it. I'm going to take a nap and then wake up and do it because then I can actually think about it instead of reading something over and over again because I'm not analyzing it because I'm asleep. So my biggest things are having to do lists, only answering emails in the morning, having knowing exactly what you need to be done for that day and what can be pushed for the next day. Having set hours for myself, I'm going to work eight to, for me, I will have to work eight to 10 hours every day, but that doesn't mean I'm going to work those hours straight. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to do other things and then come back to my work. And then making sure I'm eating is another big one. Making sure I'm having breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That is one that I severely struggle with and is one that I always I always remember to eat when I'm at your place because you always will be like we have to eat now and mm -hmm. I'm like oh my god good call and then I don't feel nearly as bad as I do at the end of the day here I agree with everything Melissa says and like you specifically do not work a normal hour wise like but you like have a full work day just in a I don't know what time zone but just a different time zone and like you have to know your own product productivity hours. And with ADHD, the biggest thing I'll say is ignore all of those fucking hacks on TikTok of like productivity, like how to work oh. from home, like all these, like make sure that you get out of bed, like you do this, you get out of bed, you don't work in your pajamas, like you sit at a desk, you do all, no, no, you have to lean into whatever the fuck your brain wants to do that day because ADHD is, yes, it's inattentive and hyperactive, but it's driven by dopamine. So that's why it's like literally painful to do things you don't want to do. Like your brain is like, I don't want to do that. That feels like stabbing myself in the leg. Like that's the psychological, like that's what your brain says. And that's why it's so impossible to do things you don't want to do. And that's not, your brain's not going to change regardless if you're medicated or not, or you're like working with a therapist, like that is being neurodivergent is just like how your brain works and lean into that. And so listen to it. That is like the constant, uphill battle that I have where like I completely understand like the motivation versus like hyperfixation stuff and if you can have set days where you know you have to do like something so for me like we record the podcast on Tuesdays that's really helpful for me because time blindness is a huge one and that's like within 24 hours but also within a week and within a month and within a year I don't have a concept of time so when I have something that I know I have to be at and I know I have to do every day even I mean not every day I have to do during the week even if I am notoriously and constantly always late for it like my brain knows that that's that's like it, it separates time. So if you can have that and it doesn't have to be work related, it can be a workout class. It can be getting coffee with a friend. It can be like just have, try to have one reoccurring appointment a week if you also struggle with time blindness because it just it helps me put like the day and the week and the month into perspective. And 
embrace multitasking, especially with things that you hyper you know that you can hyper fixate on. So something that I hyper fixate on a lot is you might not have noticed, but you definitely I really fucking hope you've noticed but um, podcast graphics, uh, my own YouTube thumbnails, anything that's kind of like artsy and stuff. Sometimes I will I will I mean, I will lots of times hyper focus on YouTube stuff, but it will be editing a 10 second clip that like no one will even know that it took me like seven hours to do. But on those things, the when I know that I don't need to do this and this isn't productive, because that's the thing with hyperfixation, you can't control it. If you are hyperfixating on like a project to complete from beginning to end, like that's fantastic. Like lean in, do whatever you need to do to like keep that going. But most of the time, hyperfixation is you're hyperfixating on something that you shouldn't be hyperfixating on. And it's like not productive. It's taking away time from doing other things. And it's like, you've been chained to a chair and you can't get out. And like, you want to get out, but you can't stop. And suddenly the sun goes down. So what I try and do for that stuff is I multitask in a way that like, I will have (laughs) the fucking therapists everywhere who like don't socialize in ADHD are like, no, I have every screen on. I have every screen on in my house. I have a podcast on, on video that I like to watch the video version of said podcast. And it's one that like, I think is really funny, or I'm going to want to rewind something that has visual and audio elements to it. So I'm not just listening. I'm looking at it. Then I'm also going to have a fucking game on my phone that I'm playing. And then I'm also going to be doing the work thing I need to be doing on my iPad or on my computer. Like there, I have multiple different sources of like stimulation going on there that take up like my listening part of my brain, the typing part of my brain, the thinking part of my brain, the, did I say listening, the watching, like all of my senses. And then I also make sure that like, I have really cold water next to me. That's really helpful in like, not necessarily fully snapping me out of a hyperfixation, but like, I will sit for so long. (laughs) I will forget to eat. I will forget to breathe. I will be like dripping and covered in sweat. Like my face, my lips will be starting to turn blue because I haven't been breathing like, well, like I'm consciously thinking about that. And I, I'm not thinking because I'm not thinking about it. I'm not passively doing it as often as I should. And I will realize I'm in a really uncomfortable position and my like legs have locked up or my knees or something. So having cold water with like something in a lot, I mean, I have my giant water bottle if you're watching the video. And the thing about this, I always keep the mouthpiece up and I always put it as close to me as possible. So I can just lean over and just take a sip but I'm not thinking about doing it, but it can kind of bring me back into real life. So that's the thing that like motivation and hyperfixation are just a constant ebb and flow. And it's knowing when to try to redirect, but then also like allotting time for the fact that like it's gonna happen. And the best way for it to happen is for you to have known that it's going to happen and embrace the fact that like it's gonna happen at some point. And so when it comes to like to-do lists and stuff, things that you need to do, knowing how long it takes you to finish a task and knowing that it's completely fine to do a task the day it's due, if it's not, if you're Mm going to be able to do it on time. Like, and that's okay. So like getting rid of all of the preconceived notions you have about what it means to be like a good employee or like a good worker, you don't have to be early. Like you can do it literally the day of, like that's completely fine. And by knowing that and doing that, if you can do things as they spark interest with you. And like Melissa said, like, you don't have to work consecutively. You can be like, oh, this is really fun. I want to do this for a bit. And now I want to move on and do this. You don't have to complete tasks every day. You can just chip away at them. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really helpful because the biggest thing that I find that's really hard for me is that 
I will try and do something that I do not want to do. And I'm not going to do it. And it's going to be bad. And then I'm getting a shame spiral that I'm upset that I didn't do it. And then I'm going to keep putting it on the next day on the to-do list. And there might have been the next day I might have actually been in the mood to do it. But because I didn't do it the day before and I'm mad at myself, now I'm dreading doing this activity that I might actually like want to do. So for me, a lot of the times that's editing. I'm either really in the mood or I'm really not. And so then I just keep it open on a tab. I keep my final cut open on the tab there and I make sure it's like still up. It's not hiding. And I will keep it in the corner and then I see it and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll try and do something here. And then I give myself like five or 10 minutes. And if I'm not feeling it, then I'm going to exit out and I'm not going to try and do it because then I'm not going to be productive in any task because I'm just failing at accomplishing this task that I'm not going to get done when I can get something else done. So like just going where the dopamine is and that is something that like it's not going to be a routine. It's going to change day to day. And I think Melissa does a really good job of this. And this is something that like I, if I had a a job more similar to yours, this is what I would do where it's like, you don't work a normal nine to five, but you don't allow allow people to treat you like you don't work a normal nine to five. So like everything is contained in that specific way but I know that's not how you're working and like Mm -hmm. so you don't have to work in the way that you portray that you're working to other people because a lot of people have a really like binary very fucking cut and dry way of what they view productivity in the workplace to be and you do not have to change their minds or their opinions you can and it's not a bad thing to package yourself in the to it appears that you're working within those traditional parameters of the workday, that it's not a bad thing to do at all. And a lot more people do that, I think, than we know, you know. And I'll also say, like, going on that, too, I know that on Friday, by Friday afternoon, I do not want to work anymore. Like, I don't work on after two o'clock on Fridays, I stop working. But that does mean that on Saturday, I'm going to have to do some work Saturday morning. And that's that's something I've learned about myself. And I'm completely fine with it. I'm still making all my deadlines that I need to make. Also, to to even more piggyback off that, setting boundaries for yourself. Like, for example, one of the shows that I work on, they asked me for additional content for them that adds three hours onto my work week every week so this started a couple months ago they're like we want to do this and I said okay that's going to be like an additional three hours and I've already told them like the the days that we record our podcast those are my longest days please don't contact me on that day because I can't you know like if I'm producing another show I can sporadically like check text messages and things but if we're sitting here talking I'm not going to be getting text messages so I said Please don't send me. This is for everyone. Do not send me anything on Tuesdays. I will not be able to respond to you. But for this thing, they needed, they were saying that they needed the stuff on Wednesdays. And I said, like I've said before, Tuesdays are my longest days. So I cannot deliver this on Wednesdays. You will get it by Thursday morning, but you will not have it on Wednesday morning. And after I said that to them, they were, you know, they were like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, you have to set firm boundaries when you work freelance because a lot of people think that means that like you could just get it done whatever, whenever. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, you might be able to, but you don't have to. And mm-hmm. that's not when you never, ever, ever tell like someone like, 
if someone's having you do something that's like above and beyond or like not within the workday parameters or anything like that, you can make it work. Don't make it work because you yep. set the precedent that that is how they can treat you and also how they can treat everyone. One question I have for like for you specifically. So for would she be working project wise or hour like clocking hours? It depends it on it. It varies. Like some people okay. that I work with is like project wise. Yeah. And then some people it's hours because like it there's just different skill sets for everything yeah. that I do. So okay. um and different agreements that I have with each person that I work with. Okay. So I think you call her if you have are getting paid hourly for any project, set timers on your phone constantly throughout the day while you are working to remind yourself that you are getting paid by the hour so like it's like I want to finish I'm going to finish this section and like do it based on don't be like too ambitious but like do it based on like how you know you can work conservatively like I'm giving myself 45 minutes to do this set a timer for 15 minutes and be like am I still on track doing this thing or I'm going to set a timer in 10 minutes that I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this and then I'm going to set another timer to do that to if you are getting paid hourly, then hyperfixation is your biggest enemy, unless you are powering through. And then at the same time, like, you know, you don't want to, there's a, a superpower in the hyperfixation in the rare occurrences that it is starting and completing a project you need to complete, like beginning to end. Uh, and that's super rare. And so on the off chance that that happens, that didn't happen. And that didn't happen. And you have to adjust the hours for what is a reasonable thing, because People, I felt very much like I, and I don't think anyone did this consciously, but I was called a workhorse from like the time I was like very young working. And it was like, oh, she's got this. Like, she'll get it done. She can do this. She can read a script in 25 minutes. Like she can do all like X, Y, and Z and all of that stuff. And the process of burnout with ADHD is really different because it doesn't happen in the same way it does with neurotypical people because there are no signs. There is no slow decline. It goes immediately from a dopamine, like everything's fine. This is great. I'm staying up till 3 a.m. finishing this project because I, I love it and I haven't moved and I like don't even realize that I haven't eaten. I haven't drank. Like I haven't moved. Like my body is in so much pain, but I don't realize it until afterwards that in corporate America and also just capitalism in general gets praised so heavily. You will inevitably crash just because you are human and you won't know that it's coming because it's not like Again, it's not like typical burnout where you're slowly being dragged down. It is done really, really quickly and it feels really great. And then it doesn't. And that's something that is really hard. And I would also, final thing I would say, okay, one quick one, reward system. Give yourself a reward system. You do something that you don't really want to do or you don't like doing. I'm going to do this until this time when this show comes on, or I'm going to do this while I watch the show. You don't, your reward doesn't have to be after the task is accomplished. You can give yourself the reward while you're doing the task to make the task more enjoyable. Oh, I've got an, I've got an, I feel like there's so many tips, but here's another one is like, some people are like, like you have to work at a desk to feel like you're doing blah, blah blah as an audio engineer you might have to be at your desk but I work from my desk and I work 
from my bed and I work from my couch and this couch or my living room couch or like my kitchen table or sit outside. It's just whatever I'm fucking feeling and what my body needs for that day. So like, just do what you want. And, you know, like Megan was saying, like your rewards and stuff, like I have set rewards for myself every day and mine kind of, mine are like, I'll sit down and I'll watch General Hospital while I'm doing that. I'm also eating dinner. Like that tells me like when I'm sitting down to watch General Hospital, that's a like flare in my brain. It's time to eat dinner. And this is when you send all your files for the day. So that's like another thing for me is that I always have that. You need to allot days of rest and times of rest because hyperactivity ADHD exhausts you and like hyperactivity will exhaust you whether that's like hyper focusing or um, moving around a lot or just your brain racing you're gonna do like work and spurts and stuff but like there is effectively like a come down essentially like at the end of all of that stuff and needing to know that like you have allotted rest time and so if you're someone who do you work better in working for five days and then having two days of rest? Or are you better of working five days and having rest in every single one of those days? Are you better at working two days on a rest day, three days on a rest? Like, what does that look like for you? And it might take some practice knowing what specific projects where you out so like after this podcast, this is one of my days that like, I'm like, I can't do anything after this. Yep, like, same. I if I want to, I have things like on the list that I could get done. And I have them in my like, later slash extra thing where it's not on the day. So it doesn't feel like I haven't done what I needed to do. But I don't ever put that expectation on myself, because I know I'm dead by the end of like talking for so many hours straight. And so I a lot rest is a part of I you needing to recuperate after tasks, which is also a chronic illness thing too, where it's like, allotting in rest after tasks that you know are draining whether or not that you think that they should be draining or not like that doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your expectation is or what you think it looks like from the outside like if you are drained emotionally physically or you're just fucking tired and you're brain dead after you've done a task that doesn't matter if you feel like it's justified or not like it's a fact and you need to allot for it otherwise you're going to start the next work day with a completely empty tank exactly exactly that's like where my midday naps come into yeah so smart it is smart all right next one dear Mike and melissa um i just called but i had more time so i figured i would add more details so i am a 22 year old tourist she her and i'm calling about a situation with my boyfriend of almost five years also 22 a libra he him Uh, We love each other very much, and we have a great relationship with minimal disagreements or arguments, except for when it comes to one subject, high school. He never finished his last year of high school because once his counselor informed him that he would not be graduating on time senior year due to missing a credit he needed, um, he gave up and stopped showing up. He eventually enrolled in an online school program, and he started to do that, but then he stopped abruptly. He self-admittingly struggles to find motivation to do his schoolwork, and that's mostly because he would rather go out and have fun with his friends instead of doing his schoolwork. 
he has promised me for the last four years that he would finish high school and he still hasn't done it. I just finished up my bachelor's degree and I'm going to pursue my master's in the fall. And although I don't expect him to do as much schooling as me, because I truly do understand that school is not for everyone, I do expect him to at least have a high school degree. Of course, I'm looking out for him, but I'm also thinking about myself and our future children because I think it's eventually going to become a little difficult for him to find a good job with upward mobility without the degree. This subject has caused me much stress and frustration um, over time. And whenever we have this conversation, he always promises that me that we that he'll get it done. And he just never does. It's come to the point where I don't trust anything that he says in regards to this subject. I feel lost and I don't know what to do about the situation anymore. Uh, I've tried to help him as, uh, as someone who comes from a background of education, I really want to help him and set up a timeline and, you know, get an idea of when we can get this things done in a feasible way for him. But I know that that's too much and that I feel like that's too much mothering um, and that's icky. But <laughs> I don't want to leave him, but this is also kind of a deal breaker for me and I feel like we can't move forward in our relationship until this happens. But I just want to know, am I being too harsh or am I being too nice? Like, I, I just don't know. And if you could be uh, nice to me, I'm a little sensitive. Um, that would be appreciated. Thanks. He either has ADHD or is dyslexic. Like he has, there's something, yeah, th there's something happening. And I don't know if that is a conversation that he's had with anyone. I don't know what's up. Might Maybe it's just a mental health aspect, but in theory, this is a very easy thing for him to do. But if it was easy in practice, he would have done it. So it's not easy. So there's something there. And I never assume that it is laziness. And I never assume that like lack of I personally, I also don't think lack of motivation is like a complete sentence like that stems from something like it always does. And I it stems from uh, poor mental health. It stem, stems from so many things. Like you just, you're not born someone who's like not motivated because motivation is not specific to one aspect of your life. Like it's, it's there and everything. So I think that there's like a something else here because if he, if this was as easy as it sounds, he would have done that. And I think that I don't know how you broach that subject with him. I think maybe it would just be like, can we talk about like, not that you need to do this, but like, let maybe let's process the fact like, to be fair, also, he's 22. And he found out his senior year before he's graduating that he's not going to graduate on time because he's missing a credit. That's traumatic. That's really traumatic. And I think that like, this might feel like kind of checking a box, but it could be bringing up a lot of traumatic memories for him. Like what was the reason that he had a hard time meeting those graduation requirements and credits in high school because when you're in high school you're a kid so a lot of the factors of what affects your schoolwork and your attendance your punctuation your everything a lot of that is things that happen at home a lot of things are like developmental things like emotional mental health things that happen and if you don't process that I'm not surprised he hasn't finished it. Like, has he gone to therapy? Like, have he has he worked through the trauma that comes from finding out your senior year that you're not going to be walking at graduation with your classmates? And like, th that's really hard. And I also, I mean, slight sidebar. I have a really, I have a huge issue with 
administration and teachers and schools who prevent students from walking based on small graduation requirements and things because that does not breed productivity, nor does it breed someone like kicking their ass into high gear to get something done. It isolates kids from their peers in this moment that is really symbolic versus like actually like technicalities of it. And I think taking away that as like a punishment for anything is like really fucked up and really fucks you, fucks with you for a very long time. And I think this is kind of a prime example of this, but I'm a little bit curious what he does for work now Mm -hmm. because unpopular opinion. I don't think that a, I think a high school degree is a hoop you need to jump through that in order for a lot of jobs, but jobs that when you talk about having like hierarchy and like working your way up, a lot of the time, I think we usually just think of that in corporate America. Trade schools are very, very lucrative job positions that have can have like a, I mean, for a lot of them, like a a large longevity, like you don't need a high school degree to succeed, but like, I'm assuming you're calling not because you just need him to check this box, but because that this is affecting his current employment and that this is not, he is not someone who you would have never known based on his current circumstance that he didn't graduate high school. I think for you, you're watching that this is holding him back from things he might be wanting to do. But I don't think that you tell him that he has to do this and he has to promise you and make this because I don't think, I think if he could, he would have done this by now. So I think it's about unpacking why this happened in the first place and not coming from a judgmental place or anything like that. And you said that you come from an academic background, so he might feel kind of uncomfortable and feeling like you're in very, have very different viewpoints and like worlds and experiences. And so coming from a non-judgmental place to figure out how this happened the first time, because something needs to heal and change and fix to, in order to actually get through this. Yeah. And I'm coming at this from like a sensitive place, like ideally, not having a high school degree, you do not need that to succeed. Like you can have other skills, but most jobs are going to require you to have at least a high school degree or certificate in something. So even let's say like it was a, a car mechanic, maybe they, which is very lucrative and you may not necessarily not need a um, high school degree, but you will need a trade certification mm-hmm. for it. Ideally, right. Like if you've been working in something and you learn the craft, then you wouldn't need it. But most p- places do require either a high school diploma or a certificate from trade school. And so I think I I 100% agree with Megan that you do, you need to figure out like the underlying cause if there's some mental health component for which there most likely is for him not compete completing his degree because what this is is that the high school system failed him so what that counselor should have done was say you can it's one credit you can or well it was one credit that he would have been short so he stopped finishing so i'm guessing he needs like his last year plus that one credit. And so what the counselor should have done was say, let's, you know, get into summer school 
you can still walk with your classmates. Let's get into summer school. Let's maybe like help. Let me talk to you, figure out like why. But like I said, they failed your boyfriend. So I don't think giving your boyfriend the support and helping him figure out the underlying causes, mommying him, I feel like this is just helping him get or assisting him in getting whatever support he needs to move forward. Because like I said, you are right. Without a high school degree or some type of trade certificate, there will be no mobility. He will most likely be working a job that pays minimum wage. Yeah, I think that like you just need to go 100% from that perspective because I, I agree with Melissa that it's like without any sort of specialty like trade school um, certification or without a high school diploma, yeah, he will be working a minimum wage job that doesn't have a trajectory to make a livable wage, <laughs> fact, like truthfully. And you don't need to tell him that. He knows that. And what he knows more than that is right now, like Melissa said, the school system failed him. He probably right now feels like that's inevitable. Even if he finishes his high school degree, he probably thinks that that is just what's going to happen anyways, because he doesn't think that he's capable of being an academic or being something that is uh, in a more rigorous field because he was failed by his school to make believe that that was his fault, that he was a failure and he failed his whole future based on circumstances that without a doubt, like I can say with confidence, were probably out of his control when he was 16 and 17 years old. And like that, oh my God, like would make kind of makes me emotional. It just like breaks my heart that like he is probably like stewing on that as a 22 year old adult. Like, and that like he like will think that his future is like set in stone from like that decision when you're like, not even decision, like your circumstances when you're 17. And I don't mean to like, I know you said you were sensitive and I don't mean to be accusatory of all, but like, I just need you when you talk to him about it. He knows that shit. And like, he's not just doesn't just know it as a fact. He knows that you know it as like a, this is a switch that can be flipped on and off. He's internalizing this as like a read of his intelligence, his moral character, his dedication, his work ethic, like who he is as a person. This is a personal failure. This isn't just like a check off your list thing. And like, as much as this frustrates you and this annoys you, this keeps him up at night. Like mm -hmm. this is a defining part of like his life and his experience. And like Melissa said, like that's not mothering him by supporting him to figure out what, like, let's get to the bottom of this. Cause I'm going to bet that I don't think anyone's ever done that. And yeah. I think that he probably thinks a lot of this, that he's crazy and a lot of this stuff is in his head and that he's just, you saying like he would rather have fun and go hang out with his friends. Like that Who is- Who wouldn't? Like, yeah. Rather... And also like that's the definition of, running away from something and like escapism that of being like, this is painful and uncomfortable to work through. And I don't want to talk about it. And I don't want to figure this out. No one's tried to figure this out with me. No one's valued it enough to like work with me. And that first failure is that fucking counselor who did that. Like I had a counselor in high school where like I needed chemistry to graduate and I couldn't, I could not take it. I was like having anxiety attacks in her office because I had no friends in the class. And I was just like absolutely miserable and I couldn't do it. And she was like, okay, We'll say that you took a summer course. We'll lie. And I was like, are you sure? And she was like, 
It doesn't matter. Like, it's fine. And she was always like that. She was not a by the book kind of person because she was like, I'm looking at this kid. Like, she's never going to go into science. Most of these kids aren't going to use chemistry in the future. And like, I'm not going to like let her graduate high school because of this stupid thing. Or I'm going to force her to like completely wreck her mental health for this very arbitrary thing. And like, she had the ability to do that because she was a, like been there for years and like a very, very, very loved person of the school. A lot of people have like fear for their jobs to like not do it by the book. But he was like really like Melissa said, like he he was failed. He was failed. And like unlearning that and like processing that, I think is going to take a lot of time. And I don't think there needs to be a timeline on when that is and when this thing is and like shit maybe he goes through like processes this and realizes this and then is like I wanted to do a trade school I want to do that I don't want to get my GED right now I want to do this and he does that and then he gets his GED in like 10 years or he never does like for you caller I I think if you can also reframe it in your head that I just don't believe that anyone thinks (laughs) having kind of like an arbitrary piece of paper, someone who has their their degree, their high school degree or not is actually a deal breaker for you. I think for you, what your deal breaker is, is somebody who is taking control of their future and has a plan and a path and motivation to get where they want to be with a plan of how to get there. And that a lot of the time is like, you know, professional careers and having drive. And I think your deal breaker right now is he doesn't have drive. I don't think it's the fact that he doesn't have his high school degree because the only reason you know he doesn't have his high school degree is because he told you. That's not something you can see on someone. Like he has, he needs to like work through some stuff and supporting him in in that is the best thing that you can do. And I, I just think that this is really not his fault. And if he has friends who are like friends from high school that you also might know or anything like that, I think make sure that you can try and facilitate a conversation with him about this coming from a supportive place. But if it's not working and there's some resistance and you said that you come from an academic background and again, he just might feel like the worlds are very different. Have a friend who he went to school with or something that like to try and facilitate that conversation. And sometimes there's workarounds of like wanting to go to couples therapy together and then having talking to a therapist to kind of like bring this stuff up. Like this is something that is affecting your relationship. Again, it's his drive and his motivation. It's not just having this piece of paper, but it is something that he can't just ignore and you also can't ignore and it's not going to fix itself on its own. Like this is something that requires time and energy from him to do that but it's when he's ready but you just need to create an environment where he feels ready and he doesn't feel like he's being watched and there's like pressure to do this or he's gonna lose everything because that's like telling someone my deal breaker is depression if you're depressed you need to be not depressed and then we're good versus I really care about you I see that you're hurting I really want like what I know therapy might seem like a hard thing. Like, why don't we start going together and talking about it? I'm going to start going to therapy. I think this will help me. But if you're not coming from a place where you can relate, it's really easy to come from a place of I know better than you. And that can be even more, they can push people even farther away.
Yeah. But my heart goes out to him. This is just like, this would have, this like without a doubt would have been me if my circumstances were slightly different. So like, I, I feel for, I, I really, I'm really like sorry for him that he was robbed of this. And again, there's no way that this came out of the blue. Kids who don't perform well in school, there's a reason. And that reason is out of their control. And when it gets to the point that you're a senior in high school and you haven't been helped and you haven't been given the resources and things you need to succeed, that just tells me that people have been failing you consistently to the point where you don't think it's other people failing you. You think it's you failing Mm -hmm. and you carry that, you know? Yep. Wait, so if they've been dating for five years and he's 22, did you know him in high school? Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, so then you probably do have some mutual friends. 17, so maybe you met him right as he was... Or he wasn't in high school, but while they were of high school age. And if you're an academic, that makes sense that like he's being drawn to somebody who has something that you don't have. Like sometimes we, we seek the proxy of that and that's like a conscious decision because you know we 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 and we start we start relationships with people who we want to emulate and you're in a position of like support and understanding and I'm sure it might feel really I'm sure it would feel really amazing to know that somebody who he probably wished he had the academic career of and like looks up to in that sense to have you validate like his feelings and like what he went through and acknowledge that that isn't on him I I can't imagine like a more impactful like feeling from your partner. Mm-hmm. All right. Ready for don't blame them? Now it's time for don't blame them. Don't blame them is the part of the show where listeners call in with their own advice pertaining to a call we had on a previous episode. So maybe they have personal experience with it or they have some insight or they heard something on the call that we didn't address their own advice or they just want to call and just be like, wow, Megan and Melissa were so spot on. Amazing, wonderful, fantastic. Hi, I'm calling in for a don't blame them in response to the call about compulsory heterosexuality. I'm a queer non-binary person and my pronouns are they, them. I just want to address the caller and let you know that Melissa and Megan are giving you solid advice based on my experience with this exact same situation. I'm 30 now, but I spent most of my teens and 20s in relationships with cis men, and I spent a lot of that time agonizing over whether I was actually into men or not, although I've never had a doubt that I'm queer. The conclusion that I've come to is that I am into men as well as people of all genders, but I've been in relationships with men that I loved so, so much on many levels, but I just didn't feel that spark or romantic connection with them as individuals. So, caller, you might be into guys, you might not, but you're not into your boyfriend the way that he's into you. And having done this myself, I know that it is so, so hard to break up with someone who's really wonderful and you care so much about, but it's really the kind and right thing to do to be honest with him and to free him to find a partner who feels as passionately about him as he does about them. And if you're anything like me, you need to get out there and date different types of people to answer that question of who you're actually attracted to. Again, if you're like me, it will just nag at the back of your head until you do. 
So don't make my mistake and stay in a relationship with someone for years and years and years because they're incredible in a million ways, but then find that you have to rip your entire life apart to finally end things. So personally, I'm living my best queer life now, and I just wish you all the best and hope you end up in a place where you're confident that you're living the life that you want to live too. That's amazing. I will say, let's not say that you made a mistake. You had your own journey and like you, like you, like you said, you're like living your best life, like your best queer life now. And I don't think that we waste time in like relationships. I think we just like learn things about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we learn things when we're single. Sometimes we learn things in relationships and like they're not valued more than the other. But I don't, yeah, I don't think you made any mistakes. And I don't think anybody who learning anything about yourself, especially like who you're attracted to and all of that, that's, we have so many years of our lives like on like this earth. And like, we think about like, think about those fucking like old dudes who get like sports cars at like 45 because like they just want to change something up or like there, there's, we're always going to be doing, doing that. Like it's never, it's never too late. Like we've never wasted so much time. Yeah. We're always going to learn new things and want to change aspects of like everything that it's if we didn't if you had it all figured out from like the time that you woke up like first opened your eyes like that would be like a really excruciating like long time on earth mm-hmm. like that'd be a lot you'd be bored as fuck like and it's some lessons you learn from books some you learn from people some you like learn from being with the wrong people like it's it's never like a mistake either way yeah i like how kind of like the world sort of just like lines up sometimes and a former guest that was on this podcast kelsey dara friend of the pod her podcast came out on monday and it was on this topic the same thing like the topic was uh compulsory heterosexuality so if someone if anyone wants to learn more info go check out kelsey's podcast and i told her too so she's like amazing she was into she asked more about what had happened on our show so yeah and again i really encourage straight people too to like mm-hmm. research and like learn about this because how we speak regardless if you view yourself as someone who's like supportive of like the lgbtqia community how we our world is so heteronormative that like the questions that we ask the content that we consume and everything like unless you go out of your way to make sure that you're also not you're not contributing to that when you have conversations with people, like not even just conversations with people who you know are a part of the community, but like we can also sometimes put that on people we're meeting for the first time. We do it all the time with babies too. It's like, oh, like look, and I'll say like, if we're using like traditional labels, like this is a a girl baby and a boy baby. Oh, they're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. Like you don't say that about, two babies of the same gender you'll say that Mm -hmm. they'll be best friends and it's that that's like where it starts yeah I think that like especially when it comes to like this specific topic and the, the LGBTQ community that it's we exist so heavily as like straight people within a binary but then we say oh, if you were to come out as opposed to this binary that we've all been living in and Mm -hmm. that we've also been perpetrating without any malice, we would totally support you. And that to me is like, 
kind of sketchy of like right. our actions should match those words that we say. And so it's been really helpful for me just to kind of like learn more about like uh, learning about compulsory heterosexuality has just been like helpful to me in realizing that I am heterosexual, but wow, holy shit, the media that I consume as a kid, we talk about, we fucking talk about like, oh my God, teachers and TV are like making kids gay. When in reality, you look at all of this stuff and you go, oh my gosh, if I was not straight, this would be so oppressive and really confusing. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that that is not a bubble that only straight people live in, that's the world that we're all born into. And it does just make you recognize in day-to-day life where you are passively just going along with that binary and how you can change that. So then, I don't know, like I think of like I have a kid who comes out. I don't ever want my kid to feel like there was ever like a question that there would be any sort of support based on like when you think about something, when you have like a, something to tell someone or whatever, and they say something so small in passing and they don't even think anything of it. It's a throwaway comment, but that's like burned into your brain as like this snowball effect of this something that's so big that you're like, oh, that's so not, no, I don't. And I, I think that the world would be a lot more supportive, especially from people who aren't homophobic. If we learned the system that teaches and assumes everybody is straight, if we learn what that is so we cannot contribute to that. And I think that'll make a much safer a much safer place for people, you know? So Mm -hmm. thank you for calling in with that. I hope the original caller is like, you know, you got to explore, have some fun, figure out what you're into. How would you know? How do you know? How do you know? know? That is it for our episode. We hope you enjoyed. If you did, then you know what you should do. You probably go on over and leave us a review being like, wow, they are so amazing so hot and so beautiful and also big big brains big brains big, with lots of juicy grooves. brains ew disgusting you want it to be wet though i know but i was telling you in the episode it's coming out of but am i wrong this week i was telling you about someone who got a tbi and i don't i didn't tell you this part but there was a part where his head looked like a gusher and he kept poking it and it was moving all around oh I and it was go juicy. for some gushers right now I can just see his head in my mind. And I'm like, I don't want to eat that poor boy's head. <laughs> Disgusting. Disgusting. You eat my We hope you leave her. Your husband? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to be over it. Never going to be over it. I showed him the picture and he goes, wait, I didn't listen to the clip without sound. I'm with sound on. He goes, the fuck was that about? And I was like, watching. He was dying. Because I was like, did you watch the clip? And he was like, yeah. And then he finally, I showed him the picture. I was like, how funny. He's like, what? I was like, oh, I didn't listen to the sound. Well, so he was just looking at how beautiful we are. So thanks. Yeah. I also want you to know, I spent two hours editing to make the bride shorter. (laughs) Because they were the same height. And I was like, if I'm going to do the joke, the only part that is the joke is the head switching. I can't also have the height. I need to have the one punch. You know, I looked at it and I was like, was this really this short to begin with? So it did not go in vain because I did notice it. It adds the humor. Like you have Mm -hmm. to have realism with the joke there. You can't, I can't make it too outlandish because then like, what's funny? It's just, it's just cheap. 
just right. a cheap shot. <laughs> right. We gotta be. Pro- we're fucking professionals here. We are. We are. And that's that's on hyperfixation on a fucking image for a real graphic. Anyways, leave us voicemail. Send us voice memos to be in an upcoming episode. Again, 310-694-0976 and audio uh, messages. You can email to meganpodcast at gmail.com, mp3 format. We are constantly looking for new calls. So please call now. There's not like a, we don't have like a waiting list. We literally like add the calls in every week that we get and mm-hmm. we pick from there. So. If it's even something that's like relatively soon that you're like, oh, well, I don't know that they're going to get this or I don't know, I'm going to waste my time when they probably have all of these other ones. Like we, re- we, we, we read transcripts of all of the new calls that come in every single week. So we try and keep things really like up to date. In the past, we used to bank episodes and like there was a waiting list because we would bank like a, a bunch of them at a time. But now we're recording less than a week before the episode airs. So call in you chances are very high that your call will be on the episode and it's anonymous so Mm -hmm. give us some juicy tea i know we have been in a panini but like i need someone to like you miss the fuck a twins yeah i need i want some chaos and i know some people were asking like we were really like not doing anything before that was like against covid guidelines we have no, I mean, we personally have our own mm-hmm. <laughs> moral and ethic thing. So, like, please don't call if you're, like, licking people in public and, like, right. spitting also, in people's mouths unconsexually, unconsensually. But, like, if you're having an orgy and, like, you were all, like, you know, tested for and tested, STIs yeah. and vax, yeah, like, call us. Like, tell us yeah. about it. Our The protocols are different now because when we first set those, those were before we all had like home testing and and it was like easily available and also vaccinated and boosted. Mm-hmm. We obviously don't want your calls if you're an anti-vaxxer and like a call about being an anti-vaxxer. But like, I'd love to. I'd love. I would love if an anti-vaxxer called me. It's just. I'll be ready. I know. I just like look at those people and I'm like, it must be liberating to be so dumb. Like you must just be constant but they happiness spend their time but is it because they spend their time defending what they do but i think that's because they seek out the chaos because their brain is just quiet and there are no large complex thoughts to kind of process and go through and so i think they must create chaos in their lives because otherwise their brain is just elevator music on a loop <laughs> and it's just it's elevator music on a loop and like ableist slurs like that's like the only thing in their brain yeah that's true yep 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 anyways all right if you are still listening at this point comment your like biggest uh work from home tip or hack or thing that like any just like work thing that's like very helpful for you because mm-hmm. I learned about Melissa's like snoozing emails today. So like there's yeah, always that was even learn. before we got into this. Yeah. <laughs> it was before we started recording this. Mm-hmm. Okay. We All will right. see you soon. <laughs> you saved that. I did. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. Don't Blame Me is a production by me. Executive produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions.
edited by Coco Lawrence, post-production sound by Chris Henry. Production assistance by Melanie D. Watson. Music by Ryan Hunter and Giacomo Picasso.